I got one more introduction. This individual doesn't need an introduction, but we're going to give him one anyway. Not only is he a friend of Grace Point, but he's family. He's upon the apostolic team here. He's one of um, Pastor Dell's confidants. And he's also the pastor of New Jerusalem Baptist Church in Thomasville, Georgia. So not introducing, but welcoming Apostle Benny Calloway. Come on, put those hands together and give the Lord a praise. God bless you all this morning. It's so good to be here and to be uh, with you all. It's been several months since I've been, but we're grateful um, to the Lord to be here and be in his presence and be among each of you. Andy, make sure that Frank doesn't eat my cupcake, okay? All right, I'm depending on you. <laughs> Turn with us to Luke chapter 7. We're going to begin at verse 11, and we're preaching... Um, a message today entitled, Compassion Turns Lamentation into Celebration. Compassion Turns Lamentation into Celebration. Um, Luke chapter 7, we're going to begin our reading there at verse 11 through verse 15. We're going to pray and let you be seated. And it came to pass the day after that he, Jesus, went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him and much people. Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, Weep not. And he came and touched the buyer, and they who bare him stood still. And he said, young man, I say unto you, arise. And he who was dead sat up and began to speak. And he delivered him to his mother. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your presence today. We thank you for being among the saints. Thank you for another opportunity to preach and teach your word as we anticipate the commemoration of your glorious resurrection. And it is because of your resurrection that you sent the Holy Spirit to guide us into all the truth that we need moment by moment and day by day. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will accomplish his intended purpose today through this message and that you will minister to every person, meet every need, grant every desire, according to your word, will, and promise, and demonstrate your resurrection power in this house. That when we leave today, Lord, we'll have a, a new mind, a new attitude, a new spirit, a new perspective on how we live our lives from this day forward. Let your glory saturate this house, and may we continue to give you eternal praise. And it is in Jesus' name we pray and we give you thanks. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you. You may take your seat. I want us to thank God for Pastor Dale and Miss Jill this morning. We love them. We appreciate them. Come on, let's give them some love. 
and we're grateful for this opportunity um, to share with you on today. Compassion turns lamentation into celebration. Uh, the word compassion is defined as a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another who is stricken by misfortune, which is accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate the suffering. Uh, compassion is to show kindness, caring, and willingness to help others. To be able to feel the pain of someone else in your heart and to share the sorrows as well as the joys of another. You know, Jesus had three areas of focus in his ministry, which was preaching, teaching, and healing. And one of the greatest miraculous healings he would ever perform in his ministry would be the raising of the dead. And of course, there are three accounts in the New Testament of him doing so. Um, the first is Jairus' 12-year-old daughter in Mark chapter 5. Secondly, his friend Lazarus in Bethany in John chapter 11, and the young man that we've just read about in our text. It was priority that Jesus raised the dead because evidently these individuals' lives were not supposed to end when they did because they yet had divine purpose to fulfill. Jesus had to let his audiences know that it was possible for the dead to be raised because he himself would be raised from the dead a short time later. These events were preludes to his resurrection, you know, which was an, an introduction to give people an idea of the power that he had been given by God the Father. And in Matthew 10 and 8, Jesus had commanded his disciples and given them the authority to raise the dead because Jesus is a life giver and not a law giver. You know, Paul let us know that the law will bring about death, but the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus it gives us the ability and the agility to be restored back to life permanently. So we can fulfill our divine purpose in doing the will of God. And of course, Jesus let us know that he came that we might have life and that we may have it more abundantly. Um, life in the overflow. Life that's more than enough. Life with surplus. I call it life with everything good on it. <laughs> life all the way. You know how sometimes you order, you order a burger, tell them you, you want everything on it. See, and in our walk with God, we ought to live our lives with everything on it. Every blessing, every promise, every assurance, every principle that we have in the word of God. That life speaks of spiritual vitality and functionality that just it, that exceeds our need. 
life that is uncommon, life that is over and above, life that is supreme, life that gives us a superior advantage. And Jesus wanted to assure this mother that life was not over for her son regardless to how things looked. And Jesus approached every situation and every individual with compassion because he was God in the earth manifested in flesh. And, you know, Jesus just didn't have compassion. Jesus was compassion. It was who he was, and it just wasn't what he gave. And we always have to remember that we don't give what we have, we give what we are. See, the hands are the resource of our giving, but the heart is the source of our giving. And so what I want to leave with you today, Jesus showed this mother three ways how his compassion will turn lamentation into celebration. Three ways how his compassion will turn lamentation into celebration. The first thing that happened was Jesus showed up at the worst time in her life. He showed up in the worst time in, in her life. Look in verses 11 and 12. It says, and it came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him and much people. Now when he came not to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and much people of the city was with her. Jesus showed up at the worst time in her life. He said, and it came to pass the day after. Now, the day before, Jesus was in Capernaum, which was the city in Galilee where he headquartered his ministry, and he had healed the centurion's son. Now, Jesus has departed from Capernaum, and he is en route to this village called Nain. And the word Nain in Greek means beauty. It was a village located at the north base of that particular region. And it says many of his disciples went with him. You know, a follower of Jesus is one who will join him as his attendant to side with his party and to advocate his cause, which is truth that he preaches and teaches and models before them because he is the word. And so it speaks of many of his disciples, his students, his learners, his pupils, his protégés, his mentees, he, his apprentices, his understudies that were following him for the intent purpose to conform into his image through his tutelage. See, it is what we are taught is what shapes our mindset and shapes our ability to live the kind of lives that we're supposed to live, and it is reflective in our person, in our practices, and in our principles. So Jesus had um, many of his disciples to follow him, and it says, and much people. That there was a numerous crowd that traveled from Capernaum, and others from points along the way. So the distance between Capernaum and Nain 
was about 24 miles. And it would take them an entire day to arrive there on foot. So it would be late afternoon when Jesus would arrive. So verse 12 tells us that when he came near, when he came close to the gate of the city. Okay, we have Jesus and we have this delegation. When they are about to enter into the gate of the city, they will now meet a funeral procession. Here's a widow who had lost her husband. And it's customary for widows, they would rent their upper garment as a sign of their grief. And now this widow has lost her son. The body had been washed and anointed and wrapped in a shroud. And as the procession began to proceed, there were flute players, there were professional mourners that led this procession. And so the body was in an open coffin with the face covered. There were neighbors and friends that would take turns carrying that buyer en route to the burying place. And the scripture says that, that much people of the city were with her. Now think about with Nan being a small village, perhaps a few hundred people, it would imply that nearly the entire community knew her deceased husband. And now they rather their support around this mother as it related to her son's death. This is the worst time in her life. She is on her way to bury her son and Jesus shows up on the scene. You know, it makes a difference when the Lord shows up in every situation in our lives. No matter how bad it may be and no matter how worse it may seem to get. But I'm going to let you know today that when, when Jesus shows up at the worst time in your life, in whatever situation that you may be facing, you've got to understand that it's really not about him doing anything. It's not really about him saying anything. And it's not really about him giving anything. But it is just his mere presence that makes a difference in whatever you may be going through at the time. You know how sometimes when you're going through things in life, you have friends and you have family coming around? It's good when they come around. It's not always necessary to say anything. It's not always necessary to do anything. It's not always necessary to give anything. But it is your presence that brings about comfort when you're having to deal with a situation where it looks like it's out of your control. See, and you've got to understand, when Jesus shows up in a situation, he just doesn't show up just to be showing up. But he has purpose in mind for his showing up. And so having him there is what makes the difference. It's just knowing that he's present in the midst of it all. Now, now remember the name Nan means, means beauty. And we've got to keep in mind there is no beauty in this mother entering out of the city bearing her son. But Jesus met her on her way out while he was on his way in. 
Okay, now think about it. We have two processions. One is being led by flute players and professional mourners that represent death. The other procession is led by Jesus, which represents life. So which one do you think is going to overpower the other? Will death overpower life that Jesus represents or will life overpower death? So we have two processions. Now, it's important that we understand this. Of course, we don't know the circumstances in which this young man died. But one thing we know for sure, it wasn't the Lord's fault that this young man died. In Luke 9 and 56, Jesus said, For the Son of Man came not to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Okay, we got two processions that will appear as if they're going to collide. But one procession will have to give way to the other. <laughs> See, it was customary that the funeral procession would be given the right of way and that Jesus' delegation should join the journey to the grave. But that's not how Jesus rose. Jesus is not going to get with a funeral procession and lead you to the burying place. See, you got to understand, Jesus didn't come to bury the young man. You know why? Because Jesus doesn't preach funerals. Okay, it'll hit you at the restaurant. Jesus doesn't preach funerals. Tell somebody and tell them Jesus doesn't preach funerals. But he counsels them by changing the state of the deceased. Jesus is the only preacher that I know that, have, that has never preached a funeral. Jesus was there because he was preparing to do, as Isaiah 61 and 3 says, to give this mother beautiful ashes, to give her the oil of joy for mourning, and to give her the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So Jesus shows up at the worst time in her life. The second thing that, that Jesus does that will turn this mother's lamentation into celebration, Jesus shattered her expectations that all was lost. He shattered her expectations that all was lost. Look at verse 13. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, weep not. He shattered her expectations that all was lost. Jesus was fully aware of what was taking place. And he did not travel 24 miles on foot for the situation to remain the same. It says when the Lord saw her, he perceived, he noticed, he discerned, he discovered, he turned his eyes and his mind and gave his attention to her and her situation. When Jesus looked into this mother's eyes, and discerned the pain and the grief and the lamentation in her heart over losing her husband and now her son, he said, weep not. 
In other words, you no longer have to wail or express any grief for your son any longer. You no longer have to mourn for your son's death. Now, I want you to think about something. Now, for any of us to tell someone that, why a procession is heading to the gravesite, it would appear that we would be insensitive or that we would be presumptuous. You know why? Because we don't have the power to change anything. But whatever Jesus says, he can back it up. Because he had compassion on her. Now, Jesus' earthly father, Joseph, had died. And Jesus knew what it was like to help the family in his um, earthly father's carpentry business. He knew the pain that Mary felt. So this son was still necessary in this mother's life at this time because it wasn't his time to go. He had more work to do. And, of course, it is in our human nature to believe that when things look bad, that they will end up bad. But Jesus showed his care and concern for this mother because his mother Mary would soon be in the same situation. So his heart went out to her and he was troubled for her. Jesus came to alleviate her suffering and not prolong her suffering. Because Isaiah 53, 4 and 5 says that Jesus is a man of sorrows. He's acquainted with grief. Surely he has borne our grief and carried our sorrows. So Jesus would change the mother's position by changing the son's condition. So once the Lord begins to change your condition, it will evidently change your position or change your viewpoint or change your perspective on how necessary it is for you to have the power of God operating in your life and in your circumstances. And so no matter what you're dealing with in your life, you have to be assured that not only, the Lord, not only does the Lord care for you, but he cares for the situation that you're facing. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Not only does the Lord care for you, but he cares for the situation that you're wrestling and that you're grappling with. And we've got to understand the power of God is always solution-oriented, and it doesn't magnify itself in being problem-oriented. And you can be assured that whenever the Lord's presence will show up in any situation, God has all intents and purposes for that matter to be resolved in your life. The presence of the Lord doesn't show up for things to be the same. Why do you think we worship? Why do you think we praise God? Why do you think we glorify God? We do it for the express purpose that once we enter into the presence of God, that we come out of his presence being transformed so that we will never be the same. 
So I'm here to tell you, you're wasting your time if you go to church every week and worship in his presence and you have no intent to change. Because whenever you're in the presence of God, the presence of God is for transformation. That you go through a divine metamorphosis where God will begin to shape your mind and shape your heart and shape your circumstances. When you can go out in faith, go out in strength, go out in courage, that whatever it is that you have to face, he will give you the power to overcome. So Jesus showed up at the worst time in her life. He shattered her expectations that all was lost. And the third thing Jesus did to turn this mother's lamentation into celebration, Jesus showered his power to change the outcome. Jesus showered his power to change the outcome. Look with the verses 14 and 15. It says, he came and touched the buyer. They who bear him stood still. And he said, young man, I say unto you, arise. And he who was dead sat up and began to speak. And he delivered him to his mother. Jesus showered his power to change the outcome. Now, that word shower in the verb tense, it means to give someone a lot of something. So based on the situation that this mother was in, she needed a lot of the power of God. (laughs) Have you ever been in a situation and you knew that you needed God's power to be showered on you? You didn't need a few drops. You didn't need a drizzle here and a drizzle there. Here, drip, there, drip, everywhere, drip, drip. But you needed the power of God to be showered on your situation. Because how many know when you get in the shower, you just don't get in the shower for one part of your body. You go in there for your whole body to be consumed. And there are situations that we find ourselves facing. We need the power of God to shower us and consume us and immerse us and submerge us from the crown of our head to the sole of our feet. So we have the power that's necessary in order for our problems to have solutions. So Jesus didn't want this mother to weep for a dead son unnecessarily. Because he would return to being a living son. And neither does Jesus want you to weep over a dead situation. Because if it's meant for it to live, the death is only temporary. Especially when the potential of whatever it is hasn't reached this maximum and optimal climax. See, Jesus did two things in this text. The first thing Jesus did, he gave the mother a word, and then he gave the dead situation a word. The first thing he did, he told the mother, weep not. And now he's given a word to the dead situation. So when the Lord gives you a word and then gives your situation a word, you and your situation has to line up with that word in faith. That activates the power of God in demonstration. 
So Jesus walked up to the wooden frame casket and put his hand on it. And whatever Jesus touches, it changes for the better even when it's dead and you're on your way to bury it. Jesus will stop you from burying it because you're not allowed to bury what's been destined to live again. You know, some of us have given up on our career. Some of us have given up on our relationships. Some of us have have given up on our ministry. Some of us have given up on our giftings. And and we're on our way to the burying place to give it up. And Jesus will stop you in the midst of you going out to bury whatever he's given you. Because that that he's given you is not designed to be dead, but it's designed to live. And he will stop you in the middle of your contemplation of whether you're going to give that thing up or not. You're not allowed to bury what's been destined to live again. And it says, and they who bear him stood still. Now I love this. The pallbearers, Jesus wouldn't allow to proceed. The power of God put them at a place where they will be immobile. And can I tell you, whenever you make up your mind that you want to put to death what God has given you to live, you will always get help from other people to help bury your stuff. Isn't it amazing? As long as you want to keep it alive, nobody wants to help you. But as soon as you want to give it up, you have so many volunteers that want to help carry your situation off so they can help bury it. But I'm here to tell you, the day ain't the day for pallbearers. I don't need no help for you to, to help bury my ministry, bury my gift, bury my anointing. But this is the time for God to resurrect it. This is the time for God to restore life. This is the time for God to put that thing back to its rightful and divine purpose. The Bible says, and they who bear him stood still. In other words, God will stop the people who's trying to help you bury you. So Jesus gave the mother a word. He said, weep not. Now he has a word for the young man lying in the coffin. So I would imagine Paul bears, they let the coffin down from their shoulders and they laid it on the ground. Because when Jesus shows up, death has to stop in his tracks. And you have to remember, I want to remind you, there are always pallbearers who don't mind volunteering to take you to your burying place. But the Lord knows how to stop them. And Jesus said to the son, he said, young man, I say unto you, arise. He said, I command you to be aroused from the sleep of death. Reappear and present yourself to this company. You know, some of us were on course doing the will of God, but now we have found ourselves off the radar. And the Lord is saying to you today that you need to reappear and present yourself to the public. 
when he says arise. Now, the young man wouldn't get up on his own because if he could have, he could have prevented himself from dying. But when Jesus spoke that word, there was the power of God activated that put life back into him that gave him the ability to rise up. You know, there are some things that happen in our lives if we could have prevented it, we would have. But because we didn't have the power to prevent it, we don't have the power to bring it back to life. And it only takes the power of God that's deposited in your spirit that gives you the ability to bring that thing back to life. So it lets us know that Christ has power over death. And it says, and he who was dead, immediately and expeditiously, his status changed from is dead to was dead. And I cannot tell you, it's the power of the Holy Ghost that knows how to change your is to was. <laughs> And the Bible says he sat up. Not only will your status change, but your posture will change. You will go from lying down to sitting up. His posture became erect. To raise oneself and to sit upright. And the Lord will raise you back up because there are people that you're called to help when it's not your time to go. Some of us have had to look death in the face, but the Lord brought us back. Are there any witnesses in the house that can attest to that? And the first thing that the young man did when he sat up, he began to speak. He began to use his words to declare his mind and to disclose his thoughts. When the Lord raises you back up, the first thing you need to do is speak. And let people know that you were at a place of death, but now the Lord has restored you to a place of life. And, and, and I, you know, I would imagine that he began to give Jesus the praise for raising him back up. Because death tried to take him down in the prime of his life, but the Lord wouldn't let it be so. Because Jesus said, not yet. And perhaps the young man told Jesus, Rabbi, I want to follow you. I want to be a disciple in your ministry. Since you raised me from the dead, and as you go on tour preaching, I want to give my testimony. And let everybody know. That you raised me from the dead. Now I'm sure Jesus obliged him and let him know that he could be one of his disciples. But this young man's work wouldn't be traveling with Jesus. Look at what verse 15 says. That Jesus delivered him to his mother. So it wasn't his job to go with Jesus. It was his job to go back to the village where he had died at 
and go back and be a testimony and a living witness on how he had been raised from the dead. In other words, the places where you had your worst experience, once the Lord raises you back up, he will send you back to that place as a testimony to let men and women know what the Lord has done in your life and that if the Lord had not accomplished it, it would not have been accomplished. So evidently this young man had more work to do with his family and his life would be a blessing and a witness in that small village of Nan. Remember, the name Nan means beauty. Jesus took the ugliness of death and transformed it into the beauty of life. It was the compassion that turned lamentation into celebration. Jesus took the mother's tears and turned them into a testimony. Took the mother's grief, turned it into gladness. Took the mother's mourning, turned it into music. Took the mother's weeping and turned it into a witness. And I believe that the Nan village had a party. When that young man climbed out of that casket, (laughs) can you imagine? And he and his mother began to walk and make their way back to that village with Jesus. They had a party. I believe it was lit for the rest of the evening. (laughs) Over into the night. How many of y'all watch any of those Tyler Perry movies? Come on now, be honest, you in church. Y'all remember the movie he made called Meet the Browns? And Leroy Brown, his daddy died, and when Leroy Brown got up, he said, this is not a funeral, this is a celebrate. So that's what happened to the young man. It was no longer a funeral. It was a celebrate. See, there's some areas in your life that you thought was over because it was dead and about to be buried. And when you were on your way out, Jesus stepped in on the scene and he turned your lamentation into celebration. Turned your funeral into a festival. Turned your death into delight. This young man had a real wake because Jesus told him to wake up and he woke up. (laughs) And I believe that every year from that point on, the village in Nan had an anniversary party for the young man the day his funeral was going to be. But the funeral had been canceled. Can you imagine that? The funeral home, they got to get on the radio and put it in the newspaper. Uh, Due to circumstances beyond our control, the young man that died The family will be no longer having funeral services because he's back alive. Can you see a post on Facebook, a tweet on Twitter, a picture on Instagram that the young man is lying in the coffin, but then they see him standing up like this? The before and the after. 
I'm talking about where the noise of the party is sounded out in the other cities. And people ask the question, where is the party coming from? Say, so y'all hadn't heard? It's the village people. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> it's the village people having that party. Because it's celebration time. Think about it. When, you're having, when you have experienced a death situation and God brings you back to life, that's the time to celebrate. That's the time to have a party. That's the time to give God praise for what he's done. Nan was all turned up. <laughs> Nan was the party spot. You know, James Taylor said there's a party going on right here. Cool in the gang, a celebration that lasts throughout the years. Y'all know y'all be dancing to the music on your radio in the car. So bring your good times and your laughter too. We're going to celebrate your party with you. This is your celebration. And you know, that's what we need to do. We need to celebrate what the Lord has done. Celebrate what the Lord is doing right now. And celebrate what the Lord is going to do. You know, about 11 days ago, March the 20th, 1991, I was singing high school. I was driving back from Tifton, back on Fitzgerald. Out on Perry House Road where... Dormant Medical Center, which was the name of the hospital, was they had a four-way stop. The Department of Transportation, because they were working, they took some of the stop signs down. So I was coming down Perry House Road, maybe driving at least 60. I was driving a 1982 Datsun B210 hatchback. And as I began to come under the traffic light, I had two other friends in the car. There was a brown station wagon. Hit me head on. I was told that the car flipped five times, skidded 138 feet, went down into an embankment. The car was crushed like a soda can. One of my friends got throughout the car with the seatbelt on. One got a concussion. I ended up breaking my hand, and I climbed, I climbed out of the car. I ended up having surgery on my hand the next day at Tiff Regional. The state trooper told my father, he said, Mr. Callaway, he said, your son should be a dead man. But God brought me back. Oh, 
That's been 28 years. But I still remember. I was at the point of death. As well as my friends. But God brought us back. Many of you have faced situations in your family, in your health, in your relationships, in your ministry, where it looked like things were just dead and about to be buried. And people spoke last rites over your situation. But because of the resurrection power of God, the Lord brought you back. Jesus said, with men, things are impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. You ought to give God a praise and stand to your feet. The Lord knows how to turn our lamentation into celebration. He knows how to change our tears of sadness into tears of joy. Because it's the power of God that makes the difference. If the ministry team, if you want to join me today, it is the resurrection power of God that brings about this salvation that we enjoy. And all the blessings and benefits that come with that salvation. And if you want to receive that free gift of salvation today, it comes through our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, if you want prayer today, you feel like that you are facing a situation where it looks impossible, looks like it's not going to change. These elders are here. This team is here to pray with you, stand with you in prayer. And in doing so, that gives God the liberty to activate his power on your behalf and turn your situation in your favor where you can give him praise for it, knowing that he was the only one that could intervene. So if you desire prayer today, We invite you to come. We'll pray over you momentarily and dismiss you if there'll be anybody today that desire to come because the Lord can turn your lamentation into celebration. That very thing that makes you weep the most can become the thing that can give you the most joy. If you look to the Lord as your help and your hope and your healing, He'll bring his promise to pass in your life. And Father, we give you praise today because our faith, our hope, our trust and our confidence is in you. And if you did what you did for that mother, for that son, we know you can do it for every person in this place. 
that may be facing a situation that appears to be impossible. Moving their lives today. May this message be a source of strength for their faith. That it may be renewed in your divine promises. And we thank you and we give you praise for those, Lord, that you're gonna, whose lives that you're going to work in this day because of their faith. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Are there any that desire to come today for prayer? Will there be anyone? Bless you today. Will you come? And to the rest of you, may the Lord bless you and keep you. It's our prayer to see yourself dismissed. Enjoy the presence of the Lord for the rest of the day. God bless you.